Right. Well, um, uh, my dad, sadly, he passed away quite a number of years ago now when I was at university. But um, he was kind of a kind of a cross between kind of Arthur Daly and maybe Arkwright from Open All Hours, um, and maybe Del Boy. So there you go, that's my dad. <laughs> I know. And uh, I grew up, um, my dad, uh, he kind of was a bit of a hoarder, so he had like six tractor bays full of junk, as I like to call it, and uh, more stuff. We, the weirdest thing we ever sent to have was some ex-carnival horses. Anyway, that's got nothing to do with anything. But my dad, <laughs> he collected cars, and you can imagine, so when I became 17, there was a car for me, and there was often all these rubbish cars everywhere that my dad was like, oh yeah, I'll do that up, but nah. <laughs> and uh, he gave me one, at one point, it was an Astra. Now, it looked beautiful. He got it dead cheap, you know, my dad bit of a bargain. Uh, the only problem was it often would just not start. And um, I was uh, once traveling back to Southampton as a student and I stopped for petrol, but um, it wouldn't start. So, you know, I stood by it, pathetic, <laughs> and this nice man <laughs> came and said, oh, I'll give you a push. So I sat in the car and he said, you know, do you know how to jump start? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, oh, he's pushing. I've got the handbrake on. <laughs> Poor guy. (laughs) Anyway, it's not much to do with it. But um, if something isn't going, generally we think it's dead, don't we? We think, oh, well, it's finished. But actually, sometimes we can be the obstacle. And I clearly was the stupid blonde obstacle on that occasion. (laughs) In the Bible, um, we see the word go, as in get going, uh, loads of times. Uh, Over 1,500 times we will see the word go, and especially um, in the New Testament. It's as a people, it's what we're about, okay? Um, The vision of our church we've been looking at over the last few weeks, haven't we? We did growing, you know, we want to be growing spiritually up towards God. It's not an up, but, you know, we want to be closer to him. Uh, We want to be loving one another, which we looked at last week. And then this week, we want to be going out into the world by the Holy Spirit. The community that we're a part of, Portswood, was planted uh, almost, well, next year, 90 years ago. And it started with that very heart of going. They had a big mission tent on this site and they did a, like, you know, a ye olde 1920s mission uh, with, like, daily meetings. And they did it to the new community of uh, this new bit of Portswood called, called Broadway. And this is what they were coming to reach out to. And afterwards, they, they built this on the plot. Okay. So in churches, we, you know, we've got different denominations or different flavors and we do evangelism differently and we might have different approaches, but we all agree that we need to be going. <clears throat> so today we're thinking about that. I was interested in the dictionary looking at synonyms or, is that the right word? Yeah. Um, and, and these were, it was functioning. It's alive. I thought that's interesting, isn't it? If you're going, you're alive. It's a bit like my car at the beginning. It wasn't going, we consider it dead. You have to be flowing, moving. It's effective. It's operating. It's mobile. I thought, wow, that's really good for us to be thinking about our idea of going. Now, why go? Well, obviously, Jesus told us to go. It's good news. 
Yeah, we don't have bad news. This is amazing news. This is a God who can move mountains. This is a God who wants to know us. He loves us intimately. He's passionate about us, created us, given us purpose and value. We have good news for the world. And often, I couldn't help myself, good news will travel really fast, won't it? When a baby's born, this little beauty, <laughs> It smelled like wildfire. You know, women are like, oh, I'm going to phone someone, tell them, well, how big was it? La, la, la. Very quick. But sometimes um, it cannot go so quick. In the Bible, the good news about Jesus, we read stuff like they ran throughout the area. They were so excited about the good news of what Jesus was doing. It was spreading like wildfire. Jesus literally steps off the boat and he's like, overwhelmed with people trying to get to him. They're excited. But sometimes good news can be met also with resistance or fear. It it can incorporate change, can't it? This guy, I'm not even going to attempt it, but I think it's Semmelweis. I don't know. Anyway, he's Hungarian and he's the guy um, that, uh, basically what he found was if you washed your hands wildly enough, less people got sick. But do you know, when he's proposed this, there was absolute outcry in the medical community. How dare you say we should wash our hands? He was, he, he got so agitated about his passion that people should uh, wash hands that, um, he wrote open letters in like medical journals and the, the medical community went mental. They were so cross with him. How dare you say that that would save lives? Even though he'd shown that 90% of his patients were better off because his staff washed their hands. Now that can happen, can't it? We see when Jesus was about, the uh, the Pharisees mocked people who believed in him. Pfft, what? Are you stupid? Can't believe you think that. They thought they were foolish or irrational or uneducated. Whoops, sorry. <laughs> Um, the high priest, he said, what further witness do we need? In other words, I don't need your evidence. I've got my own, thank you very much. And we all encounter things like that. It's good news, but it's not always met well. The next reason we evangelize, of course, or we tell people the good news about the kingdom, is what Andrew was talking about last week, love. A natural fruit of experiencing Jesus, of knowing what he's done in our lives, is that we can't help but tell people. We want to say, come and see him. Come and hear what he's done for me. For this is how God loved the world. When we understand this, when we start to understand in our very souls, as as Andrew was talking about last week, as we step into encountering the vastness and the depth of the love of God, we overflow. Christ's love, it says, compels us to go. And it's similar like that, isn't it? If you're newly in love, you're all giggly. And you can't help telling people how amazing that person is. But as I was thinking about this, I thought, you know, when you've been married a few years, it's not that, it's actually not that I think Rob is any less. He isn't. 
It's just, I don't, I don't know. Is it cultural? Why we stop saying, my husband's amazing. Just thought I'd let you know. Just thought I'd let you know. Every day. Yeah, he's awesome. He's so good. We sort of play it down. Are we a bit embarrassed? I I wasn't quite sure as I was thinking about this. You know, why don't we tell people about Jesus? Do we, do we want, do we not want to make them feel bad that their life's not as good as ours? Well, it's not like we're going for polygamy here. Jesus can be shared, can't he? He can be shared. It's okay to keep raving about him. So, we know why we should do it. We know. Jesus told us it's a loving thing. It's good news. We can't go wrong. But what about the how? What about the how? Well, you already are. Whether you like it or not, however well you think you're doing it or not doing it, you are doing it. You are the event. You are the plan. God has chosen you. And as Cheyenne was telling us, God had put him in a place. He didn't really know why he was there. Maybe he didn't want to be there. But God had put him there. And that was where he put him. And for us also, we are planted in what the Bible calls God's field. We're there. We're ready to work. We might not enjoy our job. We might be frustrated by, um, I don't know, a situation in our life. We might not feel it's great right now. But we have been planted there and we are to go there to share the good news that we have. Anything we have to share. God has entrusted us in this mission. Um, it was really interesting that um, as we're in our places, people are watching us. I was chatting to someone yesterday and they were saying, you know, they'd been through a really tough time at work. Uh, a ridiculous number of things had gone wrong and there was stresses and there was this and there was that. And people around them were saying to them, if I were you, I would have quit. How are you keeping going? They're watching, aren't they? We know that in our family, Rob's family and my family, not Christians, they're watching. And sometimes we don't even realize. We don't go around going, oh, here's an invitation to Jesus. Would you like to read this book today? We just live our lives as normal. But it's been really uh, impacting how a few years ago, Rob's grandma came up to me and apologized. Well, what, what for? She said, you know, when I met you, I, I really had a very clear judgment about what a Christian was like. But I was wrong, and I'm sorry. She'd been watching. We went on holiday with Rob's mum and dad the other week. Sat down with them. Started talking. They started telling us, you know, we, we, we admire you as a couple. We, we can see that Jesus makes a difference in your life. You know, in a way, they were saying, you know, we'd misjudged you. We'd not met a Christian like that before. You know, Rob's dad was saying, you know, the only Christian I've ever known was the worst person in the workplace. So, you know, it's challenging. They're watching you all the time. And that can be a bit terrifying too, can't it? Jesus said, you're, Paul said, you're ambassadors. Jesus said, you're the salt, you're the light. Not, you could be. You are. That is it. You are the salt and the light. You are the representatives of Jesus. You are the evangelistic event. So that's number one. But it's got to go wider than just our front lines, hasn't it? Where we find ourselves family work. It's got to go wider. There's a whole world out there. You know, we only have to turn on our TV now to see the need 
It's not like we just look next door anymore. And it can be completely overwhelming, can't it? 65 million people worldwide are displaced. They've been forced from their home. 65 million. We can't even begin to get our heads around that, can we? 20,000 children a day die due to poverty-related stuff. A day. 1.2 billion people don't have access to the right kind of water. 250 million children work as slaves. And when we look at that, we become, I don't know about you, overwhelmed. We want to bury our head in the stands. We want to pull the duvet over. We want to stop watching the TV because it makes us feel miserable. We feel helpless. We feel bound. What on earth can we do in this situation? And you'll all be probably quite familiar with the starfish illustration. A young girl walks along the beach and she sees thousands of starfish washed up on the beach dying. She starts picking one up, throwing it back, one up, throwing it back. And a guy comes along and mocks her and says, you know, what are you doing? You can't, you can't help them. Just leave them. There's too many of them. You don't make any difference. She said, makes a difference to this one. Makes a difference to this one. And I remember my friend um, Simon Gilbo saying that um, what, that's the thing that drove him, you know, when he would take a child that was dying of AIDS and he would take them to the beach for the day and he would watch their face and see them experience such joy just for that one day, just one child. Yeah, billions of children dying of AIDS made a difference to that one. And we need to hold that, don't we? Make a difference to the one. So as a church, we make the most of the opportunities presented to us. Here in the church, we run projects. Some of our own, we want to build community, want to support the elderly, parents, those who are struggling with English. Uh, Lots of women come through our doors, maybe 30 plus a week. Uh, They're coming for various reasons. They're either here with their husbands or they've been married here. Some speak no English at all. They're isolated. They're away from their families. And we're able to offer them friendship and community. Every week, 70 to 80 children plus their parents are in this building for pod. And that might not seem very much. Oh, they're going to a toddler group. No, they're not. They're coming into our building. They're experiencing love. They're getting tea, coffee, support. They're finding friendship. They're hearing about Jesus in the songs that we're singing. They're getting an opportunity to hear about Jesus more in our messy church, where we have 60 to 90 children coming to hear about Jesus. Breakfast club, 60 to 70 people. I think that's about right. Fed, is that right? Yeah? Fed once a month here, people who are in poverty. Maybe they're in poverty financially, but poverty for friendship too. Community, a safe place to be, to hear about Jesus and experience his love. And wider than that, in the city, we work with these organisations. So it becomes even bigger. We want to partner with those that are tackling poverty and abuse 
and loneliness. In Southampton, you might be aware that there are over 500 children that are in state care. And that's why we feel especially drawn to organisations working with children and the poor. So we're just going to watch a little clip from one of our organisations called Safe Families. The lights, thank you. I've got 13 grandchildren, five of them live with me. My son's got an illness, Graham's disease, and sometimes he's really bad with it. He was in a relationship and the relationship broke down. The girl was in and out of prison at the time. The children was getting left, the mother was going out drinking, getting out the house and locking them in for days and days on end. They were malnourished, they hadn't been eating bag of crisps in there and the baby just being getting fed water with no baby milk or eating cow's milk for her in the end social services took all the kids so we ended up with them all five of them youngest three and the eldest 14 and four hormonal girls living in this this house and it's just horrendous you want you to be and see with all five of them I just was begging for a space I wish I'd been begging for respite since I had all five of them. Sometimes you just need a break. Social work really worked hard to try and find us a little something. And she just said, I've got this safe families, I'll put your name forward. And it's all happy days. <laughs> this host family is Ian and Jane. That take Polly and Tilly at the moment. It's providing a bit of respite. The grandparents, they're really saving these children's lives. They're being brought up where they can prosper and flourish, you know, and grow. Oh, the kids just love it. Polly come back with a stick to remind her of Jane and Ian. We decided we'd go walking through the woods. We ran with the sticks and a massive one and then we snapped it. And then I kept it to remind me. It's really coming at a good time for us as well because we're really, really at the end of our tether with all the kids and it's so much so that we were thinking of putting them into care. You know, every little helps, isn't it? Children don't expect much. You know, a stick in a wood, climbing trees, not a massive input for what can make a massive difference. And that's all happy days. <laughs> Give me a little bit of a break. Safe Families is helping families like this every day. Contact us to find out how you can get involved. <coughs> so that's just a, a simple illustration, isn't it? What can we do? We can't do everything, but we can do something, can we? So that's one of the organisations um, that we support. And since January, we've supported, along with this organisation, we've been able to be a part of supporting 50 children within families just since January. So that's what we, we can't do it all. It can feel overwhelming, but we have been able to do something. Another one of our organisations on there is Home for Good. Uh, the council came to our church leaders, they had a meeting, the church leaders said, you know, how can we help you? The council said, look, we, we are, we're desperate for foster carers, please help us. So Southampton Church has got together and said, well, you know, maybe we can come up with 40 families. They called it Families for 40. Do you know, we're now part of a bigger thing, Home for Good, but we've come up with over 80 families for children. That is what we're part of, isn't it? Something much bigger. We're also, of course, part of street pastors. I love this um, testimony. This was on their sheet for this month. 
says the team were walking past a wine bar where many people were outside for a smoke. One young woman beckoned the team over. Two female um, street passers began talking with the young woman. She wanted to know more about us and then said she was a spiritual person, but she was confused and unsure about her future and the direction to take. Her boyfriend moved inside to get drinks and she stayed with us. Would you pray for me so I'll know what to do? The two street pastors offered our prayer team to pray for her as there were so many people around and it was thought she might not want it to be too public. But she said, can you pray for me here now? So the street pastors willingly prayed for her as she softly began to weep. She didn't mind who saw After praying, she thanked us, wiped away her tears and said with a big smile on her face, I feel so much better inside now. I know it'll be okay. And that's just one of loads and loads of stories that come from there. Um, We also got, of course, links with those that live further afield, that are planting churches, translating the Bible, uh, building community. Portsmouth Church is so much bigger, isn't it, than just... Sometimes we can be so, think, oh, this is just ours, we can, what can we do? We're so much bigger than that and part of not only Southampton Church, but the global church. But, as well as being the message, we have to, of course, speak the message. Speak the message. Um, how then can they call on the one they have not uh, believed in? And how can they believe in the one for whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching it to them. All of us were told by somebody, and we're told to always be prepared to give an answer. And that's why street pastors have had 18 occasions since January to pray with people. That's why they've been able to signpost four people to Alpha, and they've been able to give away four Bibles. They've been ready to give an answer with gentleness. I was chatting to someone yesterday and he was saying how uh, in his old job he got chatting with a guy who began asking him questions. He was able to answer him with gentleness and respect, but the truth. So they talked about Jesus, what was the evidence, they went through a whole load of stuff. Now later he moved away from that job and kept in touch with him vaguely. But just recently that guy contacted him and said, would you take me to church? So he was able to have the privilege of taking that guy to church. But it came because he was willing to open his mouth. And we have got to be able to do that. Inviting. Next thing. Come see the man who told me everything. Immediately Andrew went and got his brother. We can all invite. There's that great story, isn't it, about that guy who led Billy Graham... Um, to Jesus. He invited him again and again and again, and Billy Graham didn't want to go. But eventually he twisted his arm and said, if you drive, and then Billy Graham snuck in, and he got totally sucked in, and then he has led thousands to Christ. We can all be that person who invites. Um, it's interesting when I was thinking about this that I thought about someone who came out on the streets with us recently. It was part of the turning where we went out and just invited people. We opened our mouths and said, would you like to know Jesus? And this person said something like this. I thought people wouldn't listen 
I was concerned about what people would think. I was pushing my beliefs onto them. I was amazed at the response of people, not only willing to listen, by uh, listen, but really appreciating the prayer and the time that we had spent with them. And I was absolutely gobsmacked myself, the number of people that said, yes, I want to know Jesus, and thanked me for stopping them. We've got to open our mouths. It's good news, and it will probably be met in those two ways. But what about the times it's met with enthusiasm? How amazing is that? So finally, we're going to um, invite them. We've got to open our mouths. We've got to be the message, but we can't do it on our own. We need the power of the Spirit. Jesus was really clear not to do anything until the Spirit came. Do not go without the Spirit. And we need to pray. It's interesting, at the turning, the thing we were to ask them after they received Jesus, who's been praying for you? And I saw again and again people say, oh, my grandmother, oh, my mum, my friend. They knew that these people had been praying for them. And isn't it exciting when we get to be a part of what God is doing? One of the things I made a point of was going back to my Sunday school teachers and thanking them for praying for me. Because I'm sure many a time they thought, she's not going anywhere. (laughs) But praise God, you know, he's got us in his hand. So we need to pray, not only for people that uh, we are wanting to see come to know Jesus, but for ourselves, that we would be bold. I hope that this morning has been good for encouraging you that we, we can do something. We cannot do everything, but we must do something. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you have allowed us to be a part of what you're doing. We thank you for the privilege of that, for the joy that it brings us when we see you at work in people's lives. We thank you for the places that you've put us in our families, in our workplace, the opportunities that we have to show you, to be you, and to speak of you. And Jesus, we thank you that you've put us in this church to be a part of something bigger, that together we can make a difference in people's lives. Locally, through Southampton, and in the world. Jesus, I pray that you'd help us this week to keep seeking your spirit, asking you to help us to be bold, and opening our eyes to see what you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen.